0: there i'm tessa i'm emily and you're tuning into climate conversations where we dive into some of the most prominent issues facing humanity across the globe in today's episode we're going to be talking about climate
1: change and to help us collect different perspectives we have some very special guests joining us
0: so we have our first guest here um would you please introduce yourself My name is Liz,
2: and I'm a senior at Hopeful Valley Central High School.
0: And um, we're going to be talking about climate change with you today. So, can you tell us a little bit about um, why you're passionate about it and what you've done so far?
2: Um, Well, I am extremely passionate about it um, because when I was in, I believe it was sophomore, like early junior year, I decided to join the YES Club, and so the YES Club, it stands for the Youth Environmental Society Club, and um, Miss Sherwin is the advisor of that club, and once I got started, I was like, this is actually, like, really interesting, just about, because she was kind of trying to get the club to focus on some of the issues that the environment, you know, is currently facing, Um, so I was like, this is actually really cool, so um, when she asked who wanted to be a leader for next year's club I was like oh my gosh I'd love to do that so now I am a leader of the yes club um which has just made my passion become even stronger and you know has really um just made my interest grow to the point where I want to major in it in college um so yeah so the yes club you know aims to um confront and solve the issues that the environment is facing currently and you know in our community the world
0: particularly the US. So Yeah, that's great to see people our age really taking the step and the initiative to actually start combating climate change, even just at home. It's great. Yeah. Um so can you just give us a brief overview of some of the worst effects of climate change that you know of? Some of the worst effects.
2: Um well it kind of just like affects our day to day life in general, just in terms of, you know, the temperature outside. Um but you can sort of see the effects, you know, within the ocean as well as like some extinct creatures dying that um, we know of, as well as coral bleaching.
0: Right, which is something I know you're very passionate yes. about. Yes.
2: So that is um, probably one of the most visible effects of climate change, um, just because the coral changes color to a completely white color. Um, so you know, you see this beautiful coral. Um, in pictures and now you see it and you see the Great Barrier Reef and it's just it's white and it's definitely not something we're used to seeing.
0: Why why does it happen?
2: Well it's um, somewhat a detailed process but I'll attempt to kind of explain it in a way that makes sense. Um, So coral reefs have a symbiotic relationship with this one type of algae Um, and so the algae is a microscopic plant Um, that lives in the tissue of the coral. And so in exchange for living in the tissue, um, it provides the coral with 90% um, of its energy requirements. Um, And so the algae, um, you know, uses the process of photosynthesis to make itself food and it feeds the coral as well. And so this allows the coral to grow very quickly and so the algae gives the coral these beautiful colors because coral just like as its regular structure is just white but the algae gives it its color so what happens is is that the the algae is extremely sensitive to its living conditions so when the water is too hot or when the water is too cold it's affected and so what happens is is specifically when the water is too hot the algae gets heat stress and it and it results in it stop making the carbohydrates to feed the coral and it starts to produce toxic waste mm. and when this happens the the coral has to reject the algae because it can't have that toxic toxic waste within it and so the coral turns white since the algae provides the color and so there is a way for the water to cool down and the algae can come back and regrow and start producing those carbohydrates to give the coral energy and to give that coral its beautiful color. But scientists don't know exactly the time and the temperature that the water needs to be because there are so many variables that could affect that, that could just be so confounding. Um, And so even if we did find it, it'd probably be impossible because at the rate of which the sea is the sea temperature is rising, it is probably somewhat impossible, not impossible, but it would be extremely hard to fix the rising of the temperature of the ocean. So that's kind wow. of the issue. And you can see how, you know,
1: obviously. <laughs> so I have a quick question. Um When the coral is bleached, does it die? Technically, it's not
2: dead. Because it's it i believe it can still produce some food for itself but if the algae doesn't grow back yeah definitely are the algae dead
0: yes okay wow this is really it's you know it it hurts to hear almost you know that you know the and the ocean's temperature rising is not going to get any better especially with global warming so if and uh i know some people might think that maybe the you know it sucks that the coral's being bleached but does it really have an impact on us and from what i understand uh we get a lot of we get most of our oxygen actually from photosynthesizing plants in the ocean yeah. so especially algae yeah
2: yeah so when the coral i i just wanted to kind of also give another impact but when the coral does become dead it covers with other types of algae um which other f- fish feed off of so the fish that are dependent on the specific type of algae that produces a toxic waste within the coral and then it needs to go off also start to die which are fish like butterfly fish and other types of fishes that sometimes we eat which even directly affects us because if we don't have those fish anymore then you know we're relying yeah. on other fish to eat which is like just a whole
0: supply and demand thing right wow so it, it affects entire food chains yeah awesome. definitely wow Mm -hmm. So this all sounds very, um, what's the word? Terrifying? (laughs) Frustrating. There's a lot of different (laughs) (laughs) different emotions that come to mind when you think of this. Yeah, really, there are. So what can we do? What can we do to reduce our effects of climate change, stop coral (sighs) bleaching, or at least slow the process down?
2: Um, Well, there's a lot of legislation being passed. One that I believed happened in August, but I would not quote me on that, but it was definitely very recent. Um, was that Hawaii banned some chemical types of sunscreen um, that hurt the coral as oh. well um, and hurt different types of plants and fish in the ocean? Um, which is interesting because you wouldn't really think that that was the first thing that you know comes to mind that we can do, but it's definitely something to get more organic sunscreen with less chemicals so it's not harming um, the earth and especially the you know marine environment. Another important thing to do is just keep your plastic out of the ocean. Um, So, you know, no plastic straws, no plastic bags. It's really easy to decrease your plastic use. You can just put your lunch in containers instead of putting it in a plastic bag. And there are also like types of like fabric packets that you can just put your, you know, like goldfish or Cheez-Its or whatever you have instead of just using a plastic bag. Um, You know, turn your lights off. There's no need the electricity bill can go up. So really, you're killing two birds (laughs) with one stone if you're just shutting off your electricity. Solar panels. We just got a bunch of solar panels at our school last year or two years ago. But that's really great just because, you know, you're using Mm. the sun, our natural resources. Use water bottles. There are some really cool water bottles out there. Reusable ones, you mean, right? What? You mean reusable ones, right? Yes, yes, yes. Water (laughs) bottles. Yes, yes. Sorry. Reusable water bottles um you can carpool with your friends so you just you know decreasing your co2 emissions that are going up in the air causing you know temperature to get warmer and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um only go out when you need to also helps with gas money so you don't have to use as much money so really a lot of these things are just basic things that also kill two birds with one stone so really it doesn't make any sense to not do it. And it's just a maybe a tiny bit of more time out of your day, but it really makes such a big difference. But, you know, we can't see it because a lot of people aren't doing those things.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important um, issue that you brought up that a lot of people don't want to um, change their habits because they feel like either it's not going to have an effect or they don't want to put the time into it but a lot of these things that you mentioned actually save people money like yeah not using your car as much or carpooling yeah uh, turning off your lights and things like that and really the whole thought process that you know my actions won't do anything because i'm just one person but if everybody says that then nothing's i know yeah
2: and it only it starts with one person i've definitely seen that with yes club is that sometimes you just need to be a leader and show people how to do things and then they'll do them sometimes people just don't have the time to take out of their day to be like what can I do so it's really easy to just get the word out um, one thing that we can do um, just locally the watershed institute which is really such an, and I volunteer for them um, so of course I,
1: <laughs> I have some bias
2: towards them but they're just keeping our water clean um, they have these really cool, like, roofs where it kind of indents so the water, you know, streams off and they use the oh, water. Cool, yeah. So it's really just basic things like that. And, you know, we do a lot of um, vine removal. That's just something I did um, the other day, which was really fun, which is, like, something you can do on hikes, which just, like, release, like, the vines that are hugging the plants. So like- so that definitely helps because then the trees can, you know, admit oxygen into the air and
1: right
2: so yeah so there's a lot of stuff you can do it's really not that hard
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely that's another thing i think a lot of people think that helping the climate and helping the earth is difficult But it's really not
2: it really it really is not and if and it's you can see the rewards i mean like you know look at the coral and look at the beautiful coral the ones that haven't been bleached and you can say this is why we need to save it you know mm.
0: no, absolutely
2: Is there anything else you'd like to add just if you have time to take out of your day just figure out what you can do and start doing it get involved
1: thank you so much you are so
2: welcome (laughs) thank you for having me
0: okay so for this next segment we're here with a very special guest so can you please introduce yourself
3: hi i'm karen lucci i'm a science teacher here at the high school
0: And what classes do you teach specifically?
3: I teach honors biology, and I also teach AP biology, and I've been doing that for about 18 years now.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Um, So we have a few myths we like to debunk with you, so Emily's going to start us off.
1: All right, so our first myth is that climate change won't affect me. So that
3: is understandable because people perceive what's around them, and you don't notice slight changes over time but climate change is global. So consequently, it will affect everyone, but it may not affect you in a big way right now, but down the road it may. One thing that is part of climate change is that we have a lot more severe storms. So the storms, we've always had them, but they are increasing in severity increasing in damage and so when people experience these they can lose their homes they can lose their businesses and you see the effects of this in Puerto Rico which has not responded well at all since the their big storm in Houston even in the jersey shore when we had superstorm sandy many years ago um there a lot of businesses closed and never reopened a lot of homes have not been um fixed up. Um, Some have been abandoned. So what will happen is maybe when the economic factors hit them more, they will begin to see them. But we have to be able to make sure people understand that climate change is affecting them. And one way you can see that change is in storms, just losing power for a few days. How many more people have generators in their homes than they had five years ago? Why? Because when you get a storm, you don't know when you're going to get your power back. Part of that is the result of climate change.
0: Right, And that's terrifying to think about. You know, a lot of people see climate change as just a thing that won't affect them or it only affect people in impoverished countries. But it's crazy to see that even here at home, we see the effects directly impacting us through these big storms.
3: Exactly. You don't see it in your own community necessarily.
0: Yeah. So the next myth to debunk, uh, it's cold outside. So global warming doesn't exist.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it is cold. And today is cold outside as we're as we're as we're um, talking. So weather is a daily event and then climate is the trend over time. So you can be a really, really nice person, but you can still yell at somebody if you're in a bad mood. So the weather may be cold one day, but overall, the climate can still be warming up. The past four years have been the four warmest years on record, and they've been keeping close records since 1880. So it's definitely happening, and you can have cold days, though, still.
0: I love that analogy of (laughs) you can have bad days and still be (laughs) a good person. All right,
1: so the next myth is that a few degrees warmer won't have a big impact.
0: So a few
3: degrees warmer... If you think about an average temperature, if you make that average a few degrees warmer, all of a sudden it does affect it. If you have an 88 average in class and you get a few uh, percentage points higher average to a 91, wow, all of a sudden you're in the next grade bracket, which sounds a lot better than 88, being having a B average versus an A average. Same thing for weather degrees. A few degrees difference is the difference between freezing and being above freezing about being in the 80s and being in the 90s. And you do feel that you run air conditioners more. You use more electricity. Um, You may have to use more. You would use honestly less heat. So that, I guess, would be a bonus. But um, the severe weather would be worse.
0: I think we all know what it's like to. Have a couple grade point differences matter in getting into a college, or you know,
3: it makes an effect
0: definitely. Um, but the climate has changed before, right? So this is not just part of the natural cycle.
3: Well, it's interesting if you look at the geological periods. I mean, big time. Yeah, we definitely have gone warmer and colder, and we had ice ages. So back in the '60s, I think it was scientists were predicting we were heading towards another ice age based on that, but We should be, time-wise, in where we are in geological cycles, you would think it would start cooling off. But actually, since it's getting warmer, we have to look at this and say, no, this is not the norm. We're not following those geological time periods. And the other thing is that we've had a big increase in temperature, even if it's less than a degree, over a relatively short time period. And we don't see that in our geological history.
1: Um, aren't high amounts of CO2 in the atmosphere good for plants?
3: Sure, they're great for plants. And if only plants were here, that would be fine. But there are animals here too, and there are things like the ocean. So when you increase the carbon dioxide in the world, you also start increasing the amount of carbon dioxide that can get dissolved in the ocean. So what, what we're seeing now is an increase in ocean acidification, which means that the pH of the ocean is actually going down a little bit. As it goes down, then the organisms can't adapt to that quickly enough and they start dying off. And it turns out that a lot of our oxygen comes from organisms in the ocean. So you would think it's helping, but it still really isn't helping overall everybody.
0: So another big myth is that the world will self-correct. And I'd like to hear your opinion about this. Sure,
3: it will self-correct, but it doesn't mean we'll be around for part of that correction. <laughs> um, yes, things will happen. Organisms will become extinct. Some organisms will adapt to the changes. We can adapt um, to maybe our growing seasons and work with agriculture and crops. But the fact is that we can't rebuild a coastline that fall, that goes into the ocean because of rising um, waters, and the amount the water rises is not exactly—it's not known. There are estimates about what's going to happen. Uh, the world will self-correct, but it doesn't mean that it will—we can exist the way we are existing now.
1: All right. The next myth is that climate scientists are lying to us for money. Yeah,
3: I love that one. I read that. So one of the climate scientists. Um, was really adamant about that. And there's a big report called the about the assessment of the climate that's released. And the people who work on that aren't paid to work on it. So people who are paid are being paid by oil companies to look at environmental issues. They're doing all those types of things. Climate scientists aren't really getting paid that much money to do anything like this. They're simply researching and reporting, and that's not exactly... Um, lifestyles of the rich and wealthy. Mm-hmm.
0: No, definitely does not is not. Um, so you you spoke to this earlier that animals and plants can adapt. So this is really going to hurt them that much.
3: There are those that will adapt, but there are those that will become extinct. Also, keep in mind that we have a relatively high extinction rate, and part of that is habitat destruction. As climate change keeps going and persists, we have more habitat destruction. Consequently, more organisms are becoming extinct. Yes, some will adapt, don't get me wrong. There are plants that can adapt and um, bloom earlier or insect larvae that can adapt and emerge earlier. But when you look at other things that are happening like the acidification in the ocean, a lot of those organisms can't respond and adapt. Adaptations take time and a lot of the changes that can occur and affect them in their environment. Are too quick for them to adapt and survive.
0: I remember actually talking in your class about how the normal extinction rate is like one species per thousand years, per something like years?
3: that. It's, it's more than that, but right now it's um, ex- species per day.
0: That's that's crazy. Like I can't even imagine that.
1: All right, the next myth is that hurricanes and other big storms aren't linked to global warming.
3: Okay, so hurricanes have always been around as far as we know. And they are not directly linked to, the frequency of them is not directly linked to global warming or climate change. So when we talk about global warming, we're talking about just the warming of the planet. Climate change is everything that happens as a result of that. So what we have seen are not increases in numbers of hurricanes, but more severe hurricanes lasting longer, causing ma- more damage, more uh, hurricane category four and five, as opposed to ones and twos. So it may not ha- be linked directly to frequency, but it def- it is linked to the damage they can do. if the water is warmer, the way hurricanes form, as the air is moving over the ocean it is picking up that energy from that hot water the hotter the water is the more energy in the storm so it makes sense that if the water is warmer the storms are going to be worse
0: i think we've seen that with recent storms that you were talking about earlier like in uh, puerto rico and texas and florida so with all of this it all sounds very uh, imminent this danger of climate change um so what will the world look like in a few years if we don't start making serious lifestyle changes?
3: So all of those things that we look at will change. Um, growing seasons will change, which means in some areas they will actually get warmer and you may have a longer growing season, but it can also be drier. So the, um, there will be changes in patterns of rainfall, which would lead to increased irrigation. Um, There will be increased energy use during the summer, which leads to brownouts um, or blackouts if necessary. There will be less fresh water. We use more electricity. We use more gas to go more places. Um, We start depleting that and costs rise. So there are a lot of social implications. Just buying insurance to survive storms, flooding, hurricanes, all those things, those things will increase. So it's not, if you're living in the middle class, it's going to drastically affect your life because you can't withstand great changes in what you have to pay out to survive.
0: And it sounds like as these effects start to really hit us, in, a, in an effect to keep our lives the same, we'll just be doing more to hurt the earth.
3: Yeah, really, that's what we'll be doing.
0: Well, as... Um, teenagers who will be on this earth for the next few decades
3: what can we do so there are things we can do at a personal level that actually will help make some changes and one is we have to kind of shift the paradigm about things like travel when we get in a car usually it's a lone driver in a car going whatever distance what if we carpooled What if we used more mass transit by reducing the amount of gasoline you use on a daily basis and being really thoughtful about it? Do you have to go to a parking lot park and then move your car because you want to go to a store that's far away? People do that. That's kind of crazy. So thinking about gas usage, why are there so many SUVs that have poor fuel efficiency looking at more fuel efficient cars? That's another way to look at it. There are a lot of hybrids out there. Maybe that's what we should spend more time buying and looking and considering that. Um, on a daily basis, just electrical use because that eventually comes, a lot of that comes from fossil fuels. So what do we do? Do you keep do you keep your chargers plugged in or and you just attach your phone to the charger when you need to charge it? What types of things can we not have on all the time? Even televisions that are plugged in are using a tiny, tiny bit of electricity, so they go on instantly. Um, So we can do a lot of those things just on a daily basis that reduces our use of materials, which will save things in the long run. The third thing we can all do is be aware of policies and governmental um, laws and try to change them and enact policies that... Tend to conserve materials.
0: And it all does add up. Um, I know a lot of my friends especially are um, very worried about this, but they feel like their personal actions won't have any effect in the long run. But I feel like if everyone actually you know, takes the time to think about the steps they can take to reduce their emissions, then eventually it'll collectively produce something that'll help the earth. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
3: No, I just want to thank you very much for um, inviting me to this conversation it's an important conversation to have sometimes you worry that these um, problems aren't in the public very much and consequently people forget about them and think that they're not important or they're going away or somebody's fixed it when really it's just getting worse and worse right now
0: well thank you for being here and talking about it thank you so um we had some really interesting conversations with our guests today um Lizzie talked about coral bleaching specifically and some of the other impacts that climate change has on individuals and marine life and things like that, Um, and Ms. Lucci just debunked some myths with us, so we just wanted to kind of sum up what we learned today and uh, some of the commonalities between the two interviews.
1: Yeah, so climate change does matter because we get most of our oxygen from photosynthesizing plants in the oceans, and we see impacts in wildfires there have been a lot recently and major storms
0: yeah and it's really not something that we can just sweep under the rug because it it really is starting to impact us now and by the recent UN and other major climate change reports um, it's only going to get worse and it's really going to impact the way we live within the next 10-15 years even Um, I just wanted to give a little bit of a insight into something that I'm extremely I don't want to say passionate about more I'm, I'm angry about amazon prime two-day shipping and those other really fast shipping services are some of the worst carbon emitters that i know of um when you hit the uh two-day shipping amazon prime option when you order something online um it comes to you in two days which is great and convenient but it hurts the environment so much the way that amazon and these other shipping companies send packages out is that they wait until their trucks and their planes are filling up full enough with boxes that they can just ship them all out full but when you click on the two-day shipping or fast shipping option, they send out planes and trucks half full or even almost empty just so they can get the product to you. And it wastes so much carbon dioxide and it really, really has a major impact on the way we we live, which and I know it doesn't sound like a it doesn't sound like it's a very big problem, but when you think about all the people in the world who are using Amazon and using these two day shipping options, it really, really, really has an impact. So please if you can either go and buy something in store or don't click the two-day option plan in advance and and wait till the trucks allow the amazon the other shipping companies to wait till the trucks are full to send out the packages that was just something i wanted to put in
1: yeah and then it's very easy and a lot cheaper to reduce your carbon output so using your car less you pay less for money for gas and um, not using your here air conditioning things like that
0: yeah and the fact that both of our guests kind of had the same thing to say about a lot of issues about climate change really says that you know it's it's definitely an issue and it's something that we all need to work together to to try and reduce so we actually have some um, challenges for you guys listening um, there's six or five specific um, areas that we think are, are most important um, so we're just going to go through them and talk about how you can reduce your impact, basically.
1: All right. So the first one is transportation. So you can bicycle somewhere instead of driving, or you can carpool with other people. Um, you can take a bus or any public transportation instead of driving your own car. And it's better to take a train than a plane because it, it emits less CO2. Yeah, it's just more energy efficient. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, really, It's I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Like... You know when there's more people in one vehicle you're still you're expanding more carbon dioxide than you would if you were the only person in a car but it's still a, a much less than if two separate people were driving yeah. two separate cars
1: all right so our next one is reducing so you can buy clothing from secondhand stores instead of brand new clothing don't use Amazon <laughs> crime please don't <laughs> and don't throw away any food that's very wasteful.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember in French last year, actually, we learned about uh, food waste. It's actually a really big problem. I had no idea. About a third, I think, of all food that's made is thrown right in the garbage, which seems, you know, very wasteful. That's crazy, yeah. Yeah, so um, really try to buy less, buy only what you need, um, and be more efficient with the food that you buy. Um, yeah, and buying clothes from like a secondhand store is so much more efficient because instead of producing new clothes that are just given away or thrown out you're recycling what you already have and reducing your your output and amazon prime we already talked about
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right so our next one is reusing so using more wasting less and finding new uses for things you've already used
0: i know personally i we don't really buy glasses anymore like we just buy jam jars and we clean them out after like the the glass ones and we clean them out after we're done and we use those as cups which they're really cute also (laughs) they're really energy efficient they're really cute so definitely finding new uses for objects is is great
1: all right the next one is recycling one of the things you can do is have your recycling outweigh your trash you can compress and measure how much trash you have each week and then try to lower that the weight of it
0: yeah definitely just have making a conscious effort to lower the amount of waste you're putting out you know a lot of things like we mentioned about like reusing certain um, packaging materials or just not buying super packaged foods but if you do you know recycling them finding new uses for them don't throw out water bottles in the trash can i so many of my friends do it and it really bothers me i always yell at them when they do you know it really isn't that much of an effort to walk the the next 10 feet to find a recycling bin Um, And finally, neither of our guests really talk about this, but I think it's something important that we should bring up. The types of food that you're eating actually do correlate to the amount of carbon dioxide you're putting out. So the most energy efficient food is vegetables, fruits. I guess I don't want to say the word vegan, but I guess vegan items. I know a lot of people think vegan and they think, oh, you know, it's, it's it's a crazy lifestyle. People who are vegan are insane. They don't (laughs) i don't i don't really know what the stereotype is but they're just very against veganism but it's it's really the the most energy efficient way to live um consuming meat especially is very inefficient emits a lot of carbon dioxide because if you think about all of the space it takes up to to raise chickens and cows and then to have to feed them and and process the meat and things like that it it just it uses up a lot of unnecessary carbon carbon dioxide dairy and eggs also maybe not as much but definitely reduce your consumption of meat specifically red meat try to lean towards more lean meats like chicken or poultry or try to reduce the amount of meat you're taking in overall which are actually better for your diet in general not just for reducing climate change one thing that i'm going to start doing is i'm going to document what i eat in a typical day and then try to implement these changes into my diet so i only eat meat one meal a day if that um, I think that's a good way to, to reduce your your output just by choosing the food you eat. I saw a statistic once that said um, if everyone in America went vegan or vegetarian for a day, it would be the equivalent to taking off like 200 and something thousand cars off the road. It was crazy, yeah. So it really does have a big impact. This has been Climate Conversations. Hopefully, you've learned something new about climate change and this podcast inspires you to start reducing- carbon dioxide emissions. As both of our guests mentioned, really the only way to fix this problem is if everybody pitches in and does their part. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Emily. I'm Tessa. And we'll see you next week. Hey there, I'm Tessa. I'm Emily. And you're tuned